world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. I had a thought today, and it's like, uh, can you imagine the first person I had to try to sell hot sauce? And they were just like, hey, kids, do you, do you hate the way food tastes? Do you want to take the shortcut because you don't want to learn how to cook? Just throw some tasty old gasoline on that, and you don't even have to worry about the flavor. You can tell people you're a real man because you put the most sauce on your food. An ounce of sauce covers a pound of... <laughs> <laughs> it's just to trick yourself into eating. <laughs> Call me a middle-aged white guy, but I like hot sauce on my food. I I like it too, but I had this thought because uh, I made a sandwich today for lunch. And I didn't like how it tasted, so I just slathered it with hot sauce. <laughs> and I was just like... sandwich? Because that sounds gross. <laughs> No, 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 no. Oh, gosh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, like, like uh, you go to, like, a, a Thai restaurant and you get their peanut sauce. Mm. Like, that's actually really good. So maybe the hot sauce peanut butter thing is not as, as sketchy as it sounds. Yeah. I don't know, because you reach for, you got your Jif peanut butter, you got your Welch's, uh... I would almost said grape, but, like, I had that every day as a kid and I've sworn off of it. Strawberry or nothing. Uh, and then Cholula. It just seems wrong. It just. Like... <laughs> I'm willing Indeed. to branch out, but I don't know though. Like I love Thai food, and I could dump sriracha on it all day, and it's it's just even better. It's just even better. I feel bad, like that I'm not like eating the normal stuff, and I've just dumped hot sauce on it because it's it's good both ways. But like, just just better with sriracha. So it just yeah yeah. So I'm basic. Um, <laughs> We're all pretty basic here. <laughs> there's there's part of me that's like trying to turn that into, and all the girlies say I'm pretty basic for a white guy. <laughs> well, you know what? That's actually the same thing, right? What? I don't know. I mean, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sh- sure. Ask for a thirteen, sure. but he drew a sure. thirty-one. Yeah, like he's yeah. If you're a pretty fly for a white guy, you're basic. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast, a podcast that is hosted by two basic white guys and Aldo. A, I a don't, basic I, Latinx. <laughs> unless, unless you're, unless you're one of those people, then I'm Latino. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, Hispanic. Uh, this is. <laughs> I, 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 listened, I listened to our podcast from last time I wanted to be like men call me John like from Magneto but, <laughs> but now I need to say uh, excuse me Aldo basic white guy here uh, which 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 uh, terminology do you prefer uh, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> the progressive in me wants to say Latinx uh, I have to, uh, okay so if, so if I had an option to pick it wouldn't even be a Latino or Latinx. It would be Hispanic. Um, I don't. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> I I don't know. Aldo lives in Utah. Hooray! I do. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
So, uh, we are here to commemorate Christmas with some comics that we read. Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. Pantsmas. Pantsmas. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we'll get to that one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we've got one story to, to start with here. Um, although, you want to talk us through this weirdo Wolverine story? Yeah. So, so I picked this one because it's the simplest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not not to read, but to to summarize, and uh, this is this is a, a book about Wolverine, who has uh, been sent Christmas shopping for I, I believe it was uh, on Kitty Pride's behalf. That that's the impression I got. Yes. Yeah. So he's going. So he's going shopping Christmas shopping for her because he's. I mean, he's in New. He's passing by New York, anyways. So, you know, just to skip and a hop to the mall. So while he's there, you know, he hates it. Absolutely hates it. He's antisocial. Uh, he just doesn't want to deal with the crowds. Doesn't want to deal with anything. Um, Wolverine really sometimes feels like my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> but so so as he's doing this, he's, uh, you know, he's kind of, I don't want to say assaulted. He gets bothered by a lady with, like, the perfume. You know, back in the days when you could go out, you know, being in front of people and it wasn't. Uh, you know, an assault on your persons uh, to have a little bit of, uh, you know, liquid sprayed on you. I miss those days. I miss random perfume. Actually, on that note, does that even happen anymore since like 2017? Have you ever been sprayed by somebody? I have never been sprayed by somebody trying to sell me perfume. That has never been, that is not a thing that has ever happened to me. I, I've seen it happen. It's been years, but also it's never happened to me because they, they know what I'm about. I'm in like <laughs> old gross jeans and a hoodie and I'm not, they're getting nowhere. They're, they're like surprised. Oh, and you're married. Oh, well then maybe you'd be, no, no, he's not. He's not. Oh, wait. No, there was this one time that I was at the, the fashion place mall and uh, this guy came up to me. Like, he was working one of those kiosks where they uh, try to sell you on exotic soap made from the salt of the Dead Sea. And he, like, showed, like, he, he kind of uh, browbeat me into coming over, stuck my hands over the basin, gave me the soap, tried it, and told me that I could get a bottle for, like, 80 bucks. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, I'll give you two bottles for 40 bucks. Three bottles for for like 30 bucks it eventually Jeez. got to i'm not kidding i'm not kidding it was like eight bottles for five bucks and then he's like what's wrong with you man you wasted my time and he like threw me out it was real weird wow wow <laughs> that is not a great that is not a great say i'm like I, I i don't do sales but that is not a good pitch like if you're just giving it away you start off with 80 dollars a bottle that stuff better sing to me and compliment me while i'm lathering up <laughs> I assure you, it does not. Jeez, now now I'm suspicious of what was really in that. So was this like a was this like a, a like a Fight Club thing? And he's trying to dispose of evidence. I have no idea what was going. Wash on. yourself in my victims. For bat, lack of a better term, I, I when they when they drop it that low, I feel like they must have gotten it off the back of a truck. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like no fooling. No fool. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Anyway, so Wolverine anyway, gets sprayed with his perfume. He bumps into some like rich heiress whose name is uh, Toulouse Lexington and her bodyguard Pinter, which I feel like that's a joke. Those names have to be a joke. 
I, I don't know what the joke is, but they have to be. It's Pinter and Toulouse? I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I think you're right, but I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so so he bumps into them, kind of gets, you know, he's pro- Wolverine feels like he's, uh, you know, everything's he's reaching a boiling point. He kind of just wants to get in a fight, but he doesn't. So Toulouse, <laughs> who is a grown woman, I I assume she looks like a like a grown adult woman, maybe twenty two, possibly twenty four. Uh, goes to Santa's workshop to go, like I guess, get a photo op with Santa. I don't know, maybe it's a publicity thing because she's rich. As you do, <laughs> as you do when you're in your mid twenties and a rich heiress. Yeah, exactly. But so so they go there and uh, and they find out that or they don't find out they you know they they get kidnapped or she gets kidnapped and her bodyguards kind of get all shot with the exception of Pinter who runs a bunch of floors in the mall up and down. I are balls tall everywhere else? Because I always thought they were just like two, maybe three stories tall at max. There are in tall New York balls. City. In New York City, they probably go for vertical space as opposed to ah, you're right. You know, Horizontal. This is not the suburbs. Yes. So Pinter gets away, and Wolverine kind of finds out that like this is going on, and because the group of mercenaries here or, or terrorists call themselves Black Christmas, M E S S M E S S mess. Yeah, Christmas, which I was reading internally as Black Christmas, and that just sounds worse. It is so worse. much worse. Yeah. yeah. So they were. So so they announce over the, the thing that, you know, they're going to set off some bombs, that they're planting bombs. So Wolverine goes diehard and starts, like, sneaking around and, you know, starts killing them and starts, you know, deactivating bombs. And he bumps into the bodyguard. And then, uh, like, like I think the last bomb is set to go off or, or they're releasing all of the people inside the mall out to, to the police. And they hide amongst them. And Wolverine kind of chases Wolverine and Pinter kind of lose everybody in in the scramble. And so we cut to, I don't know what his name is, but the leader of Black Christmas. I hate that name so much. It's a terrible name. Uh, He follows the leader. He follows them, tracks them uh, using like the smell of the perfume that like she was like sprayed with. He was sprayed with it, and she was sprayed because it was in the vicinity. Also, I forgot to mention that that lady who was spraying the perfume had the hots for Wolverine. It's irrelevant to the story. (laughs) But she had them. She was thirsty for a tog or a short glass of Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Can you do anything later? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Apparently recreating Die Hard in a mall. So... So yeah, so he finds them, and uh, prior to this, the the leader of Black Christmas was kind of telling her that like nobody cares, you're not rescued, even if your guard did survive, it's just a paycheck, and apparently not a big enough paycheck for him to care. So she gets all sad, and that's when they show up, and kind of like gonna you know Wolverine I think kills one or two of the guards, or not guards, um, terrorists. And the leader decides to blow up the bomb that I forgot to mention because he put a bomb vest on Toulouse-Lexington. And he presses the button to blow her up. Uh, Pinter shoots the terrorist. Wolverine uh, 
cuts through through the vest and then like huddles around it. Is that the word? He huddles on it. He puts his whole. He like puts falls his on the grenade. Basically. Yeah, he does that and blows up. And then we cut to him, uh, guts all over the ground. We know he's gonna be okay because it's Wolverine. But you know he's like, I hate Christmas, or he says Merry Christmas, or something like that. Um. So yeah, that was uh. That was Wolverine, is Volume Three, Issue Forty Nine. Uh, better to give. I'm only hesitating because I'm trying to find the artist and writer. <laughs> by, by writer Rob Williams, and penciler Lawrence Campbell, and inker Chris Justice. Even likes to mention the inker. That's a good name too. It is a good name. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think you have to fight crime or do something cool like being an inker. If yeah. Your last name is Justice. I feel like uh, just based off the art in this book, he's earned. He's earned it. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to. It was given to him, but he earned it. Yeah. yeah. He's living up to the name. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing the name Justice. Yeah. So what did you guys think about this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of liked it, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, it's... it's I think Wolverine's not really 100% my taste. Like in general or just in this? In general. Like the the solo Wolverine stories aren't really my thing. So on a scale of Pinter to Perfume Lady, where do you land on nice. this Wolverine train? <laughs> nice. <laughs> the caboose. <laughs> Sounds like you're leaning more towards Pinter. On the scale, the pinter scale. <laughs> but I mean, like, the, the thing that kind of frustrates me about Wolverine is he's the guy who shows up and just kills a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Like, in solo stories. Um, and the best, I think, that we've seen is that uh, Wolverine Claremont story that we read. The Claremont Miller story where there's a lot of personal conflict that's going on. Wolverine is kind of defining himself as a human being. Uh, it was really the first time, like, it, it resonates on that level, but, like, uh, ever since then, the, the stories of Wolverine kind of, like, going alone, like, going solo and, and just murdering a bunch of dudes, those all tend to land kind of flat for me. The thing that helps put this one over the top is Pinter, right? Like, that little bit of additional character that's, uh, being developed. It's kind of a, like a, I don't want to say a nothing character, right? But uh, he's, he's a character who, like, has an arc that Wolverine is kind of there and helping to facilitate, but it's not, like, overshadowing the Wolverine stuff. I don't know. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I think, I think this is something that I, I think it works especially well for it being a Christmas episode and not a Christmas special. If that distinction makes any sense. Yes, actually. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Think that makes perfect sense. Because yeah. this really does feel like it is just the next episode in whatever series it is. It's not like necessarily swerving to the left and it's like, hey, ho, everybody, what's up? Uh, the Christmas episode special. You know, this is this just feels like the next episode. It just happens to line up around Christmas. And it doesn't feel like Wolverine's necessarily out of character. Like there's no like wacky antics over the... Other than him fighting a bunch of elves. Well, not elves, but grown middle-aged men dressed as elves. He didn't put on a Santa suit himself and, you know, 
try to do anything wacky with the sleigh to beat the bad guys, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now so, I kind of want to see that, though. I mean, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is something about the story that kind of bothers me, though. Like, there's this line where Wolverine talks about how he kind of likes beating up people who are smaller than him. Well, I mean, I, he's always okay, the smallest. Okay, but it doesn't make it right, listen, but that's where it's coming listen from. Listen here, Stephen. I've stood next to you. <laughs> you don't know what it's like, okay? <laughs> I Steve, that Steven, resonated. Down, with look me. down there. Look, look down. Look down. <laughs> you should look down. <laughs> yeah, Aldo's trying to talk to you. I'm just yeah. Please, please look at me. Look down. Look at me. Thank you. <laughs> no one knows what it's like <laughs> to be the short man. Shut up! I do. You're gonna get. You're talking yeah. to from me next. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, when, when Wolverine said that, I was like, oh, you have no idea how it feels. It feels so good. That's why I joined the mall kickboxing class to fight children, because they're shorter than me. <laughs> <laughs> so one time I yes. have the height advantage until they hit puberty, and then they skyrocket to five foot six, and then all of a sudden I'm the short one again. Uh, Aldo, you know you don't have to stay in the under-12 league this whole time. You've really advanced well beyond your brown belt. No, 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 no. See, here I have the reach. <laughs> that's, that's the only way I'm getting these belts. <laughs> don't don't let be the... honest, I don't even care about the boards. I don't want to break them. <laughs> I want to break preteens' wrists. <laughs> Show them who's boss. <laughs> we have a judo slam, a, t- a 10-year-old into a mat. It's awesome. <laughs> I'd like to think that I helped them grow up that day. I mean, not really. They're going to be in a full body cast for a while because I put the hurt on them. <laughs> but emotionally, they're more mature. Yeah. So, hey, do you think Wolverine can dunk? I don't think he can. He's too heavy. He's too metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's too metal. Oh. He's too metal for basketball. Oh. He's too metal to dunk. Anyways. Here's my question. Follow up on that. Do you think that if Colossus and Wolverine are on the same basketball team... They could beat the Monstars from Space Jam. That's how good they'd be. (laughs) My my suspicion is that, you know, from the opposite side of the court, Wolverine has the ball. Colossus picks Wolverine up and fastball specials him to the other side of the court, and then Wolverine dunks it. Breaks the glass. Every breaks time. everything. Every time. <laughs> Every time. He doesn't doesn't just break the glass. He takes the whole net with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The ball technically goes through the hoop, but Wolverine grabs the hoop and takes it with him as he flies through the backboard and into the stands. Does that count as a basket? Hey, there's no rules to say a Wolverine can't play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I see we're going with the Airbud defense. Okay. Yeah. Listen, do you want me to break up the Chewbacca defense? Because I will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez, with the Chewbacca defense, you could be on the Trump legal team. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. We're topical. (laughs) Um, What else do we want to say about this Wolverine story? It's got some good art in it. Uh, Yeah, I think the lighting was cool. Um, There's a lot of really good shadows. Good silhouettes. Good poses there. Um, Yeah. so so okay, two two things stand out to me, uh, in particular. One of them being I'm trying to I'm trying to find the page, uh, which is oh yeah, so it's page fourteen or fifteen. So prior to this, on page thirteen, prior to this, 
uh, we have the elf henchman terrorists uh, hunting down Pinter. And it, the last panel on that page is their guns pointed to a door. We go to the next page and it's just kind of Pinter running through through the staircase or the, the stairwell uh, running away. And it's a really tall mall. This is why I was confused. <laughs> but so, so, you know, several floors, he looks up, you know, he's gone away. He's getting ready to go, head to the exit. And the door opens and he's, he kind of stops and we go to the next page and it's almost, it's like an 80% full page and it's Wolverine in a black silhouette uh, with only like a little bit of lighting on his back, standing over a bunch of dead elf middle-aged terrorist bodies. <laughs> and there's like another panel with a close-up on his face where he has the biggest dumb grin and he's just so excited about this. <laughs> Um, that is, that is a standout page for me, uh, just because, okay. So while all this was happening, Wolverine found someplace to go change into his, uh, X-Men outfit and then, uh, just killed a bunch of terrorists. And now he's just super happy that he got to, uh, to do something fun while he was out Christmas shopping. And I like that because I think that page works especially well because of all the, of all the shadow work on, on Wolverine yeah. himself. Uh, which I guess in a sense, like the lighting doesn't make sense because, you know, there would be more shadows on the elves, but I'm not going to pick this apart. It's great. Yeah, it's 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 dramatic. Lighting, yeah. Right. And um, and the other the other particular part of this that I absolutely loved. um, Was the last like three pages, 33, 34 and 35, which is after the head terrorist elf uh, starts the bomb. Uh, countdown we get all these uh we get six panels per page and they're all like the same size there's not a lot of like fancy work going on here but we have a little timer at the bottom left of every panel and it's every second ticking by and it's kind of what wolverine what all the stuff that's happening right like it's toulouse throwing off like the santa jacket her crying you know kind of thinking she's gonna die wolverine silhouette him like cutting off the uh the bomb vest and like turning around it's just a really like well done use of like page panels and time yeah she looks up and she's looking at this angel and then the next second is a close-up of his face and then or the angels though it's a girl the her face sorry excuse me and then it pulls back to see the shadow of wolverine in front of the angel it's like she's looking to be saved and there he is he's no angel but he's he's gonna save the day um, actually, John, angels are non-binary. They have both. Okay, well, I'm going based on the, um, presence of boobs. <laughs> not to step on, not to step on any toes of people who do not identify with or without boobs, whatever no, you'd just... like to be. Just... This is a statue. I really didn't want to offend anyone. I'm just joking. You, you took this a little, you, okay, you ran with it. I'm sorry. I put you in that position. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm not typically a fan of like Christmas stories. Um, cause I've had this complaint like uh, for a long time, Christmas stuff to me just feels real shallow. It's real <laughs> like the rest of us. It's real basic. <laughs> it's not a lot of sustenance. Uh, and more often than not, I think my problem with Christmas imagery is it's just done to like elicit like, a response based on like our already existing preconceived notions on like Christmas, which is why they kind of fall flat on me. 
But I think the use of the of the angel here and all the snow and like everything happening here, uh, it actually had like an effect on me. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it is like, I don't know, uh, obvious, I think the obvious comparison, like if you're going to take this Wolverine story and compare it to any Christmas movie, it's going to be Die Hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which we joke about Die Hard, you know, being the best Christmas movie or whatever. But there's a reason that certain action films take place at Christmas time, right? Like, I think there's a reason that Die Hard takes place at Christmas. There's a reason that Shane Black set so many movies at Christmas time. I was time. just going to say, I was like, I know why. <laughs> uh, there's a reason Jingle All the Way takes place at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, real quick sidebar. I haven't watched that movie in years, but I, I, it struck me fun. Like I, I knew it was crap. I knew it was, was crap. It jingle all the way. Yeah, jingle all the way. I could probably still quote it word for word in my. Every now and again, I still get that scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger is yelling at Phil Hartman, "Put the cookie down now!" <laughs> you know. Like, Rita Wilson's in that. Phil Hartman is great in it, but he's great in everything, so that's not fair. Jim Belushi's in it, but if you ignore that, then, you know, that helps. Um, Sin- <laughs> Sinbad, I I unashamedly enjoy Sinbad. Whatever. He's fun, even though he's in bad movies, but I think he's funny. And, uh, yeah, I can still... I like that movie. I'm Nope, I'm coming around. No, fine. It's great. It's a great movie. Uh, quick, quick confession. I have seen Jingle All the Way at least ten times. I have seen Die Hard zero times. Well. Die Hard's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have never seen Jingle on the Way, but Die Hard's okay. So, <laughs> oh, man, we are at opposite ends here, Stephen. <laughs> but I think, like, in this story, the, yes. the Christmas elements do something. They Like, they do some of what you were describing, Aldo, where they have this sort of emotional weight to them. And I think part of what makes the Christmas element of the story work is that it balances two different aspects of Christmas. One being the the sort of, I don't want to say cynical, because I, I get what you're saying, where it's like the trappings of Christmas don't really elicit anything in you, because uh, that's something that I kind of have to fight against. I love Christmas, but I have to kind of make myself love Christmas sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got Wolverine, who's like at the department store, uh, being, you know, completely overwhelmed and just over it. But then it ends with the other element of Christmas which is the sort of, like, expectation or hope for divine grace that in this case manifests itself with a uh, vertically challenged (laughs) super murderer who, uh, you know, snuggles a bomb into his chest (laughs) until it blows up. And he's Canadian. And he's Canadian. Not that that really adds anything to the narrative, but, like, it is that sort of, like, contrast of the hope of Christmas with the brutality of of Wolverine, like, swaddling this bomb. Yeah. Until, <laughs> you know, completely guts him and then just lying on the ground and saying Merry Christmas. Like, that sort of juxtaposition, I think, really works for a Wolverine story. And it helps to paint him as the superhero. And not just, you know, the guy who runs around uh, murdering little people with guns. Admittedly, they have guns. Okay, so I want to I wanna, I wanna correct you on something. Littler people. Yeah. He's little already. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm real passionate about short rights. <laughs> I'm a short rights activist. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm the. I'm the guy who's uh, stuck behind a tall guy at a concert, just thinking like, no, 
You don't get to stand in front of me. Life made you tall. You get to be, you can see over me. I can't see over you. You're ruining it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think my only, my only real complaint with this book is that, uh, we don't really get a good reason as to why Pinter seemingly dislikes Toulouse. Like I, th- and, and it's, and it's, you know, like a minor thing. Cause they're not really, imp- I mean, they're, they're central to the story, but they're not important characters. So like it's fine, and I and I guess they're using like a little bit of like, I don't know, sheriff, sheriff, narrative shorthand, <laughs> sheriff shorthand. <laughs> Sorry, I entertained myself with my own mistake. Uh, it's a little bit of narrative shorthand to just kind of have you know, young, beautiful, blonde, rich heiress type thing, and I think the assumption is that we'll assume that she's just kind of snotty or whatever. She's misunderstood. She's the first child, like that terrible movie. So I don't know. First kid, I think it's the name of it. Hey, that's another Sinbad. Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> it's the one where he's uh he's in the Secret Service and he has to protect the first kid, who is the president's son. I thought you were talking about Corey in the house for some reason. Oh no, but he's he's. He's the second first kid, but he's number one first kid in my heart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Corey in the House is the best anime. Uh, I've seen the meme. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about this Wolverine story? Not not a whole lot of depth to the bad guys, beyond a yeah. stupid name for their group. Oh, such a bad name. I couldn't place who the, who Cave, like the leader, was supposed to look like. He kind of looked like uh, Adam Baldwin from, uh, you know, Chuck and uh, uh, Firefly a little bit. And then they were going for like, you know, like, I think he was supposed to be like Eastern European. So you get a little bit of that. But it was, it was like kind of jumped back and forth. Like, who is he supposed to? Because I, I think they were going for someone specific and I couldn't quite. Tom Green. Well, there you go. <laughs> My gun is on your face. My gun is on your face. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Alright, um, in that case, should, should we move on? Yes, before yeah. more TRL comes back into my brain, quickly. <laughs> uh, John, I think you're up. Well, we are reading a little Gwenpool, who is Gwendolyn Poole, not Gwen Stacy Deadpool. There's a difference, um, as it has been explained to me. Um, <laughs> so... The whole gimmick is that uh, she knows Gwen knows that she's in a comic book. She knows that she's in a different universe, and it starts off where Galactus is here to ruin Christmas, and everyone says, "What? Galactus is practic practically is Christmas," and Gwen's like, "What?" And she starts to notice that Christmas traditions are a little bit weird uh, this year. She rem- she's been in this universe for a while. She doesn't remember anything weird happening the year before, um, and she's talking to. Batrock Zilliper. Um, she's talking to Megatoni. Um, she's talking to I don't know who this lady is with a mask on her face, but another another Gwenpool regular. And she's setting off to the North Pole for answers because one of the new updated versions of the Christmas sto- uh, Christmas songs are. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Seriously, don't go north. Everyone knows to stay away, very far away. In the south, where only good tidings burst forth. And so she hops on a on a uh, snowmobile and heads north because something is up. I just want to say thank you because I could not 
for the life of me, I could not pin down the melody. Oh, <laughs> I was struggling, and I appreciate you doing this. Well, they they gave it away with the first line, and then no, they, I I know. couldn't, John. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, see, you guys are like, you guys are, you know, getting all Grinchy Ebenezer-y on me with like, oh, I don't really like Christmas stories. Like, like the day after Thanksgiving, I've been like vibrating since it got cold, and I'm like, ah, oh, Mariah Carey, give me strength. And I start up my Spotify Christmas playlist and and go for it because. I just uh, I like I like Christmas time. I, I you know, and you're not wrong. Um, all like I I actively hate 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 all the Hallmark Channel movies where like, oh this this girl from the city goes home to her cutesy little town where they have the biggest gingerbread uh, gingerbread houses in the world, and she has to. Um, spend the weekend with her family and her ex before going back to sign a big deal in the city. Uh-oh, the ex wants to bring, get her back, and she secretly still loves him, even though the nice guy in the city who's super loaded and has never done anything wrong in the relationship is waiting for her faithfully, but, oh boy, Mr. Cute Gingerbread Housemaker wants her back, and so this holiday season you get to watch, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so and the made-for-TV fed. Uh, called uh, um, that's the way the gingerbread gingerbread house crumbled. Oh, I had lost it. Whatever, stupid. It's crap. <laughs> I don't like that. So Brittany and I spent like the weekend <laughs> watching A Night Before Christmas, which stars Vanessa Hudgens. I love Vanessa Hudgens. Oh gosh, I I love her, but I've only seen one thing she's in, and I think because of her, I've tricked myself into loving it. And it's High School Musical. Get your head in the game. We're all in this together. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen, go. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that was the end of the story. <laughs> anyway, John, would you like to continue with, with talking about Pantsgiving? Sorry, I blacked out a little bit there with my hatred of Hallmark movies, but I like Christmas. <laughs> so we get we get several stories in this. So we get to see the weird versions of the holidays in uh, Gwenpool's life. So we have uh, Galactus is Santa. I don't know how else to say it. He's Santa. And he has... <laughs> uh, there are eight silver surfers. And this is a Chris Hastings book. <laughs> and so we get little alt text at the bottom. Those back eight surfers are named Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen. All names that amazingly apply to reindeer just as well as they apply to silver surfers. So there you go. Uh, Galactus is in gold and white, friendly, and you know you see him ringing a bell for uh, change out in the out in the street. As just a quick note, um, as Miles Morales and his buddy are leaving the mall, they pass by a uh, booth that says, "Don't forget the real reason for the season. The secular world has made a colossal alien with a tuning fork hat, the face of Christmas, which you should." Uh, which should tell you all you need to know about the secular world. And the couple asking for donations is Maud and uh, Ned Flanders. Just look at their outfits and tell me I'm wrong. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> fin Fang Foom shows up because it's a perfect opportunity while everyone is on holiday break to terrorize New York. And so Miles Morales swings into action and he's about to be defeated because he beats Fin Fang Foom, but then Red Skull, Modok, and Thanos show up. But who comes to save the day but Saint Galactus? And um, Miles, oh, you're real! And he can't believe that he's real. And 
well, that's the spirit of the holidays. He's just, you know, it's, uh, you know, you helped people and I'll help you. And he zaps away the bad guys. Happy holidays, losers. And um, was he there? Was he in he, you know, he's struggling with getting the credit when he wants, you know, Santa Galactus to get the credit. But um, he goes to sleep and then that night his stocking is full to bursting with uh, extra web shooters and um, acid-proof formula web fluid as if they were existing products that he doesn't make for himself. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, that's the, and that's the Miles Morales part of the story. Then we move on to Pants Giving, where we see different, uh, uh, heroes, uh, specifically Deadpool and, um, <laughs> the Punisher, as well as Fin <laughs> Fang Foom again. Um, Fin Fang Foom is summoned by a, uh, pants store owner an underwear uh sorry big ronnie's uh, happy pants giving day sale fin feng foom is summoned by a dark ritual for um as an advertising measure i guess but uh the punisher's having none of it and so he gets out there um hits him with a tank like you do with any dragons that are you know showing up in new york i guess and um pants giving is about selling people things or forcing them to wear what you want it's people caring about you enough to give you something really stupid you don't need. <laughs> and you caring enough about them to look like an idiot for a day. And the last panel of this story, we see Punisher in his pants. They're all they're all booty shorts. I know that in, in other English-speaking countries, your pants are your underwear. Um, I think that's what they're going for here, because they're all, like, booty shorts. Like, yeah. Um, then my favorite section, we get the Red Skull... <laughs> Yeah, a, a night before or a, a Christmas Carol, where instead of the ghost, the spirit of Christmas past, it's Hitler who takes him on a little journey. It's the most ridiculous thing ever, and uh, I loved it. Um, he takes a break from torturing Hawkeye to have this little moment, and then Gwenpool shows up to confront Santa, who has used his magic. Santa, Santa, not Santa Galactus. He's used his magic to give himself a little break. Um, but so weird things are happening, and so he's about to call it off. Um, but he does, as um, one of the things that has changed is that um, you can see people from other dimensions, other people who have passed on, um, and that's something that made Batrock the Leaper very sad, as he could not forget his past lover. And Gwenpool, who's been separated from her family in the, the real world, her real world for a while, is considering, oh, like, do I want to give that up? And in the end, she decides to leave it alone, to um, give everyone um, back, uh, I think, yeah, normal Christmas. No, no, he, uh, I think he does it after, right? Because, like, he wants... Yeah, he, like, leaves it alone. Yeah. And then does it after. He yeah. says that's what he can do, but they're saying, like, Merry Christmas all. Like, I'm, I don't know if they're still... I don't know, but he's, you know, um, Megatoni says, like, I'm glad you're having a good time with us, Gwen. I bet this time of year is hard for you being so far away from your family. And he's, she, you know, she says, yeah, but I'm having fun with you guys, though. Ah, uh, that is good, Gwen. I am glad to celebrate with you, uh, all of you as well. Merry Christmas, all. And uh, we see in the snow globe that it's her and Santa in the sleigh. I don't know. I think she helped put it back. I think she gave up seeing her family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is the, yeah, yes. that's the yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you get thrown off really easily because Namor, um, one of the things that was different was Namor feeding everyone by making it rain fish out of the, out of the uh, ocean. 
So nobody's sure how many people he actually fed that day. <laughs> yeah. So I I I liked this. It was it was dumb in the right kind of way. Um, like I, I think it that you know this this title knows what it is and and doesn't take itself too seriously. I thought the art was good. Um, a few different artists. Let me get back to the title page. Um, we have. Um, Christopher Hastings, an artist, um, Misha Haynes, doing the Gwenpool's Unbelievable Christmas. Uh, I saw Spidey kissing Galactus, the bringer of gifts, Ryan North, and Nathan Stockman. The War on Pants Giving, Carla Pacheco, and um, Oscar Bazaldua. I'm really hoping I got that. And then Happy Hydra Holidays was uh, Nick Kocher, or Kocher, and Bruno Oliveira, a writer and artist. And then, you know, obviously, uh, lots of other letterers and everyone but uh good good job all around i thought it was fun um didn't take itself too seriously was managed to be touching when it needed to be um mm-hmm. was mostly silly um but good art it was fun john i can't i can't help but notice the fact that you have totally ignored the uh the non-christmas related deadpool halloween special deadpool-oween uh that happens at the end of the issue <laughs> I how how could that be? No, that was I didn't know that was part that? of the reading. That's part. It's <laughs> part of the book, John. I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's oh jeez. <laughs> Wait, fun. hold on. It's... Sidebar. Let's pretend we're not on this podcast, guys. Was that supposed to be part of the reading? <laughs> I, I, don't, I read it because it was part of the book. <laughs> yeah, historically we have like disregarded uh, stories that are not the. Like have, have we? Yes. I'm thinking specifically of the search for eternity. Wait, I'm sorry. What book? You heard me. No, no I didn't. I, oh, John I and I were talking. talking. We could I hear was you. talking over him. Yeah, I was listening. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. Though, you know, because we. If you said it, if you said it correctly, I would have heard it over John. Yeah, I, I think you should really communicate better, Stephen. So anyway. Um, <laughs> See, now we uh, have to. Cap- now we uh, have forget to it. That. The fish ain't biting today. I'm going home. <laughs> I think we could talk about it, but like honestly, it's not. It doesn't change my ranking. No, it's it's also, uh, in my opinion, it's not great. Um, I w- I just wanted to make a joke because I th- I can't remember if it was just me or 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 also John that's not a fan of Deadpool. I, I think it's all of us. I think Deadpool's fine. Okay, so, I, I think he's fine. So I, I I assumed it was a slide against Deadpool, and I thought it was a little funny. I like my oh. head cannon better. I'll go with whatever's funnier. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Today for the joke, yes, I will. I will hate Deadpool, but no, I don't mind Deadpool. Um, I think it's one of those things where, like, the fans of Deadpool kind of make you not want to be fans of Deadpool. So it's you know. yep, yep, yep. Can we talk about uh, the Red Skull being so mad that instead of saying um, "Hail Hydra," they have to say uh, "Hail Hatred" as like a generic <laughs> holiday greeting because so many different uh, bad guy organizations have come together. And there's a, a corporate thing, and he, <laughs> what the butt are you talking about? He's so mad. And uh, I thought it was really funny. It's really funny, but, with... but <laughs> yeah, I was, what, what you were about to say, I was going to say, so you go ahead and say it. <laughs> oh, his conversation his conversation with Hawkeye is hilarious, and um, I love Adolf. Ah, good to see you, Johan. Now come on, <laughs> we are not going to want to be late. No, it's just a trip to the past. Oh my gosh! I know, I know, I know. This is this is done for comedy, but like, I thought 
the Red Skull actually didn't like Hitler. Well, with time passing, I think, you know, absence <laughs> makes the heart grow fonder. No, I think the, uh, the movie depicts Red Skull as being, like, too extreme for Hitler or something. So they didn't actually have to have, you know, literal Nazis on screen yeah. in a fun movie for children. Uh, but in the comics, the Red Skull did work for Hitler, and they were comrades, I believe. They were, I, I think, I they think were that's what it bridge is. Bridge partners. Bridge partners. <laughs> but just somewhere between uh, Chum and Crony. Bridge partner. <laughs> there were Smash Brothers doubles. Have you seen partners. The Christmas Carol? Of course. <laughs> it's that. I'm doing exactly that. That. <laughs> Yeah, uh, man, I don't know. I just feel like the last couple of years, I get kind of, like, antsy when I see depictions of Nazis in uh, media. And I know that this was supposed to be funny, and I'm just like, do we really need to see Hitler, literal Hitler? I mean, uh, it, you know, it, I feel it you. It wouldn't bother you if it weren't, like, still happening, Stephen. I think that's on you and, you know, your lack of Nazi punching fists, man. Get out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about depictions of uh, Nazis <laughs> I'm actually quite fond of uh, Red Skull's uh, expression change when he's talking to <laughs> to, to Hawkeye because he goes yeah. he goes from like kind of frowning to like smiling because he feels better and then to, to grimace <laughs> yeah take a deep breath yeah think of a happy memory and then go after yourself <laughs> Oh, and I just realized, I didn't notice before, because I wasn't paying attention, he has a shark on a catapult. Yeah! <laughs> and Hawkeye is attached to a target. That's what he's doing to Hawkeye. He's catapulting sharks into him. I love this comic so much. Oh, that's good, yeah. <laughs> this is this was a funny little story, like yeah. all of it. Um, my favorite bit has to be uh, Punisher showing up to, uh, like impart the true meaning of pantsgiving oh yeah just i i i I have a weird like you guys know this i have a weird (laughs) sort of like affection for the punisher but i especially love goofy punisher (laughs) especially love punisher and hot pants hot shorts punisher and hot pants of course man frank castle's got buns White Castle buns. White Castle buns. Nobody oh likes God. White Castle buns. Nobody. Just didn't. The, the joke didn't work otherwise. <laughs> no, it's because they come in a sack of ten. So yeah, I don't know what you do with that. I I also on that note, I also do like how they were showing how different people. Well, it's not even that many. It's only like Miles and the Silver Surfer. What <laughs> them receiving also hot pants and like miles has like these like classic red and blue spidey shorts yeah and i i'm not sure if it's a reference to something specifically but the silver surfer has is or galactus is picking for the silver surfer either like orange or purple the i i think it's the different galactus colors because if i remember i might have my timing a little bit wrong here but for a while, Galactus was turned, like, somebody transformed Galactus from the Devourer of Worlds to, like, the Restorer of Worlds. And he was a life bringer. Mm. Um, and when he was in that aspect, he had the gold coloring that we see in this issue. Which makes me think that this is contemporary to Galactus the Lifebringer. Um, and it wasn't just for the gag. So it, he, 
the surfer is picking between Galactus's old color and Galactus's new color. And I think that's the extent of the joke, honestly. Ah, okay. And him saying, the one on the right. No, the left, ah, I can't decide. It's yeah, just Speaking fun. of characters I like when they're goofy, I do like Goofy Galactus as well. Goofy Lactus? Goofy Lactus. As opposed to Santa Lactus. <laughs> Make sure to take Goof Lactus with a full uh, eight ounces of water. <laughs> do not take Goof Lactus if you're planning on operating heavy machinery. <laughs> Goof Lactus may cause dry mouth, head injuries, and anal seepage. Okay. Um, oh gosh. Great gag is they're singing 12 Days of Christmas, and when they get to 10 Lords of Leaping, Batrock just does a bunch of leaps. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, man. I like Gwenpool. I like Gwenpool's weird supporting cast. I I, I, I I, don't know why. I feel like the gag shouldn't work, but it does. I really like Gwenpool. Yeah. And the more I read of it, the more I like the character. Well, and the, the art was really nice like they did it's it's just clean and uh well drawn and i charming yeah and like bright colors so it's fun and so it's hard to like you know scrutinize it too close like oh this fourth wall stuff maybe it's a bit too nope and there wasn't even any of that in this you know it's just an understanding that she comes from a different dimension and is having a hard time with that but you know sets things right for everyone else yeah i i think the point where i think the art it's probably, I don't want to say the best, because like everybody has different art styles. And I think they all work really well for what they're doing in here. But mm-hmm. I think my favorite like combination of art style and joke is the one, is the pantscaping one. Because it's a pretty yeah. grounded, and uh, to bring back a dead meme, it's a pretty grounded house style for Marvel. <laughs> yeah. And like the way Fing Fing Foom is drawn... He's like threatening, he's big, but he's also like just goofy enough that like it still works. Yeah, it's because of the teeth. And I think human teeth (laughs) and the art style is flexible enough because like it, you know, it makes the joke stronger because you have like a very realistically drawn Frank Castle, you know, people, this dragon. And then you go to the next page and like it's Fing Fing Foom throwing hot pants at everybody over like New York City. And then you have check out my new chompers. And then you have also equally still realistic hot pants wearing Frank Castle. <laughs> it just helps elevate the joke. I think it works really well here. <laughs> also, the Punisher takes out Fin Fang Foom by shooting down a news helicopter and telling the newscasters to jump from oh, the yeah. helicopter before he shoots it down. <laughs> That's right, I forgot. Oh gosh. Ugh. No, I think my favorite art actually, as far as like marrying art to story. Um, might be the, it might actually be the Gwenpool story, beginning and end. Uh, the artist Misha Haynes does a pretty good Gurihiru impression, which I think is uh, the style that really matches Gwenpool best. I think, yeah, I think it was better in the first, the first part, like the, the opening bookend of it. Yeah, I don't know, I, I just really like it. I, I, I think Gwenpool works with that sort of charming story or a uh, charming cartoon style. Uh, yeah. kind of, again, I, I think it's it's not Guri Hero. It's not as good as Guri Hero does, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I would, yeah, this this might be one of my favorite holiday comics. It, it easily beats Marvel Zombies for Halloween. <laughs> and I enjoyed it much more than the uh, Thanksgiving, um, you know, issues we read for last time. So, oh, gosh. I just turned to the page of, of Ronnie, like, 
lighting a, a fire to summon Fin Fang Foom, and the fire is in the shape of Fin Fang yep. Foom's purple hot pants. Yep. Well, that's how you summon oh, it, you know. From my pants, I emerge. Oh my gosh, I did not pick up on that. I stared at that page trying because I thought I'm like that's not a pentagram. <laughs> it's a pentagram. No, it's a pentagram. It's a, oh my oh. goodness. Oh my lord! <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, yeah, fun story. I yeah. I really liked it. Uh, do we have anything else? I'm not a fan of uh, who's that? Ryan North, the guy that does all the uh, little text. Yeah, he does like the text under the the comic page. I think it's Chris Hastings. That's something that if oh, Chris you were Hastings. To, okay, if you click and hold on. Uh... Like if you alt click on Doctor McNinja, you get an extra little joke. I I love those. So yeah, I get how if it's not your thing, then yeah. So it's it's typically not my thing. Uh, yeah, that's the Ryan North story. Just oh it, oh okay, that is the up. Ryan North story. Yeah. So typically typically not a not a big fan of of that little joke whatever. But when Fing Ping Foom appears and Miles is like doing the Superman thing and taking his, you know, jacket off and revealing the symbol. <laughs> they have a thing. He has a thing under it where he's like, dang, Miles, no Merry Christmas to all and to all a good fight. You better be taking notes here, Miles. And then the, the first panel on the next page is that. <laughs> and then at the bottom is like, ah, there it is. Thanks, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like the little uh, sort of alt text things that Ryan North does. He did it in Squirrel Girl too. It does work better as alt text, like just stylistically. That that's where it works. When it's at the bottom of the page, it's fine and it's funny. And Ryan North is a funny guy, so I'll take it. But I, it, it just stylistically, I think it works much better for web comics than it does for print. I would disagree that it doesn't work very well at all, but. <laughs> That's a personal thing. <laughs> that is a bunch of personal thing. <sighs> Talking about personal things, John. <laughs> Wait, no, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> was that supposed to be the segue that, to the X? That story? was yeah, kind of. I don't know. You're a person. I don't know. It's like, this isn't personal. <laughs> it's personal. You're a person. Okay, I can't argue with that. X Men Christmas. I feel like I <laughs> this time it's personal. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not the guy that hosts this. That's not my job to do segues. <laughs> well, I appreciate you pinch hitting. So let's talk about let's talk about this this X-Men story. So it's an X-Men advent calendar. There are 25 different well, there aren't really 25 stories. There are the conceit is every day is like a different day in the X-Men celebrating Christmas. There is one story that kind of runs through the whole thing. It starts on December 1st, and it pops up a couple of times, and then it ends on December 25th. It's the only story that gets more than a single page. It's Jubilee uh, packing up to go on vacation with her baby, because she has a baby that she got at some point. That sounds like, that sounds like you know, it's a pair of pumps that she picked up on sale when she was out of town or something like that. She had a child. Yeah, she had a child, and I don't know when or how that happened. The, the child's name is Shogo. Um, and so they're going to go on vacation to Hawaii, but before they can, they get kidnapped and get trapped in a mall where they have to deal with death traps and uh, 
baby Shoko has a little stuffed Nightcrawler toy that he keeps losing and Jubilee has to keep, like, recapturing for him. At the end, it's revealed that this group of developers hired the supervillain Arcade to develop a new mall, and Arcade, being a supervillain who specializes in ridiculous death traps, created a murder mall, and he used Jubilee to test it out. Jubilee's the only person who survived, and now she's come back and gets revenge, like, bursts through the wall, sucker punches him with, uh, like, her sparkly powers, and takes him out, and that's where her story ends. But in the middle, we get a whole bunch of other X-Men stories, like we get a story of multiple men uh, forgetting to get gifts for everyone and finding a very innovative way to re-gift <laughs> the same gift to all of the X-Men. We get a story of Glob Herman, like, very meticulously oh. hanging up some mistletoe <laughs> and then sitting underneath it waiting for somebody to come to his grody body. I just, I just want to point out, I laughed hard on the, on yeah, on the club story. I, I was laughing so hard when I saw the final panel. I, <laughs> I, like, some of these stories are, like, so difficult to get. Uh, like, there's a story of um, Captain Britain and Psylocke and Megan, and apparently Captain Britain and Megan have a daughter, which I didn't know about. Uh, that story only makes sense if you know that uh, the woman with the purple hair is in fact Psylocke, who is a British woman with purple hair who was for at least a decade, if not two, trapped in the body of an Asian woman. And now she's back in her normal purple-haired British body. And apparently Brian didn't know that. Oh, man. Do you uh, you remember that story we read where she's a feudal Japanese um, courtesan, for lack of a better word? Oh, gosh. Yep, I remember yep. that. Yep. That's her. Oh. There's a story of Rogue and Gambit trying to give their cat medicine, and having had to give my cat medicine multiple times, I related, even though uh, it isn't really much of a story. There's a one-page storm story that is actually a self-insert fan fiction for Charlemagne the God. Oh, um, yeah. This yes! <laughs> <laughs> All sorts, like... And so I, I don't think it's worth it to go through each and every single one of these stories, but maybe talk about the ones that stood out to you, one of, maybe the ones that fell flat, what you thought of the, of the framing story. Uh, there are so many different creative teams involved. I don't think I can break them all down. We should mention them as we mention individual stories. I will say that the framing story is written by uh, Chris Sims and Chad Bowers with art by uh, Marco Falia. And colors by Israel Silva. So, so I will say this because I, because, because uh, I put a lot of work. Well, I'm not gonna say I put a lot of work. I put some work into the website. <laughs> but uh, if you are interested in all the creative teams, I do have them. Or when the episode comes out, comes out, which will be when you're reading that, when you're listening to this, listener. Uh, hey. They are on there. It's a big list. It's a lot of people. It's. Almost 25 creative teams. I hated yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it. Although it is well appreciated. I just checked it on mobile before we started. And it looks great. And everyone should check it out. Superhumanregistrationpodcast.com uh, Also, I just... Okay, well, okay, another thing. So I watched... I think I mentioned this last episode too. I watched the Marvel 616 uh, series that's on Disney+. Plus. I didn't watch all of it. I watched the episode that Dan Slott does. That's about, you know, kind of the work it takes 
um, and the process, or at least uh, specifically for Dan Slott, who's one of the few writers that still does like the Marvel method. Uh, and kind of that whole process, you know, collaborating with the artists, the editors, the printers, and all that stuff, right? And like with just a small creative team of like a like couple writers and an artist, inkers, and uh, what's the other one I'm looking for? Letters. Like that's a lot of like nightmare or not nightmare, just a lot of hassle. I cannot imagine the logistical nightmare that it would take to get almost or around 20 creative teams for a comic. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning because we don't mention very often. Um, I think it is worth mentioning that this book was edited by Jordan White, Annalise Bissa, and Chris Robinson. Uh, they they had to work pretty hard, I would imagine, to get all of these creative teams to submit their pages on time. And I think, honestly, I think the, the final product is pretty good. Yeah. There's some hits, there's some misses. This is charming. Oh, I just thumbed through my favorite one, and I bet it's John's favorite, too. Is it? Is it with hope? Oh my gosh, the hope story was so good. Yeah. <laughs> it just she just wanted to see her dad. <laughs> Which talk amongst um, yourselves. Art, okay, so this this one page story was drawn by print by excuse me, Brent Schoonover with colors by Chris O'Halloran and written by Teeny Howard. And Teeny Howard is a creator that I'm somewhat familiar with. Uh, this story's really good. It's just a one-page little thing where X-Men are having a Christmas party. Hope is sitting in the corner just looking at her phone. And Bobby Drake comes over and is kind of a jerk. And is like, hey, you should join the party. And he takes her phone. Hope freaks out. And Bobby sees that Hope's just watching like a recording of Cable talking to baby Hope and kind of telling her, you know, you know, we're going to have to stay up all night. Uh, and... He's like just monologuing, but he's monologuing basically to this baby that's giving him a reason to believe in things. And the story ends with Bobby Drake and Hope and uh, Domino and Deadpool just like gathering around the phone watching this video because it's so touching. It's a really good little one page like Christmas story. I, I thought it was just so touching. Because she misses her dad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> What is the sad girl? <laughs> one of the ones I liked was uh, the one for December 19th, Secret Santa, which is Gabby Kinney. Yeah, I was so, going to... So, so I had oh, to do wait, a no, bunch of research to even get this, but to me it felt... Because <laughs> it was funny at first, and like the kind of, the ending was kind of emotionally lost on me until I did a bunch of research. And so this is Gabby Kinney, who is like a clone slash maybe daughter of... Laura Kinney, who is a clone, maybe slash daughter of Wolverine, who is not a clone and not slash daughter of anything, but definitely slash. <laughs> so she gets a secret. Slash. <laughs> you piece of crap. You absolute unloving piece of garbage. I can't believe she's got her claws out on this page. You slash. You try to bring that. Oh, you. Oh. <laughs> You absolute so donut. I'm mad that you liked the joke. I'm mad that I liked the joke. I'm mad that he like... It's like he came up to give me a hug and shoved a shiv in my back without me knowing. And I just... I just well played. And I'm dead on the, the floor. The shiv of all. The shiv of laughter. Oh. 
How <laughs> dare you force chuckles from me, you piece of crap. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she gets a, a secret Santa gift from like a like. Actually, they don't. I don't know who. I thought it was supposed to be an X Men, but it's not. Or maybe it is. Uh, <laughs> but so she gets this thing, and it's a one hundred dollar gift card to steak steaks and cakes. Which I wish that was a real place, or if it is real, one place where you can get both steaks and cakes in one stop. Yes. <laughs> so, so she goes to thank her secret Santa. Uh, this is why I'm not sure if she's a clone or a daughter, because she's like very childish. <laughs> but then she's also ripping into her presents with her claws. So, like, I don't know. So she goes and she meets up with a bunch of X Men or characters, I guess. So there's like Aurora Monroe. I don't know who the person with the dreads is. I thought I, don't I thought that was Hawkeye on the bottom left, but I don't think it is. I think that's supposed to be Cyclops. Is it? No, because the sunglasses aren't red though. Yeah, I don't I know don't who know. else it would be. I don't. Know yeah, then. and I think that's also supposed to be Kitty Pride. I thought I don't know anymore. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be on, Kitty Pride. Yeah, because she's to on say. top of a Sentinel that's been knocked over, and the outfit or the uh, uniform looks like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, so so she's asking people if, if or she's trying to thank them anyways. <laughs> like Aurora tells her, she's like, "Apologies, but I was not even aware there was a place where you could or, where you could procure both steaks and cakes at once." How great is that? The other person is like, "Any place you can order steaks and a pie is a stomach ache waiting to happen." She's like, "Good thing it's cake then." <laughs> <laughs> but then we find out it's uh, it's Mindy. I again, I was not sure who Mindy was, and Mindy's she's one, one of, of the cuckoos. Yeah, one of the Stepford right? cuckoos. Who's I guess. Her first name is Irma, uh, which is why then stick. Her name is like Irma, Mindy, whatever, cuckoo. Stepford, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> and like, so so I guess part of the thing, part of like her story is uh, Gabby was part of like a bunch of failed experiments to re, to clone Laura, Kinney. So... So I guess not all of them made it through, and and part of when they were being rehabilitated is I guess they had a lot of interaction with the Stepford Cuckoos, because you know they kind of went through similar things. Uh, so I think that's kind of in that arc is like where that bond happens. Uh, so once I read that, once I did the research, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, now now I get, now I understand the emotions I'm supposed to feel. <laughs> yeah, it, it it I had to look it up too. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, not all of these stories work for me. I'm surprised that the that the Chris Claremont one landed so. Oh, hard. which one was that one? That was the December second. Kitty Pride lights a menorah and vows to become president of the United States. Okay, and that is that is yep. it. It is one panel. It's it's one panel drawn by the Dodsons. Yes. So it's it's like pretty. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's a it Chris just... Claremont thing, so it's super wordy. <laughs> 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 the bottom well, of the like page more... is just word boxes <laughs> she looks cool but she doesn't look like kitty pride like i'm used to you know and like i wouldn't recognize it as her if she wasn't if, if lockheed wasn't wrapped around her shoulders yeah yeah i mean like lighting the menorah like she's one of the few uh jewish x-men i believe but still even that like you know she wants to be president. Like, is that I, I? I wanted to like read up a little bit more on that and see how that went. I felt uncomfortable laughing at it because I thought it was supposed to be a joke. 
And I kind of laughed a little bit at the end because she's like, I'm going to fix the world by becoming president. And, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was like, that, is that a joke? I don't think that's supposed to be a joke. I reread that page like a couple times. And I was like, if, if it's a joke, I don't know if I'm not picking up on it or maybe it, I'm trying to make it into a joke and it's not supposed to be one. Like, I just don't know where what this is. I guess. Aldo's Aldo's lived on a cave or lived inside of a cave for the last four years and doesn't realize that being a president is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this book, this book came out in 2018. I don't know how you could release a book in 2018 and have any like any delusions that the president doesn't just make things worse all the time for everyone, no matter who the president is. It's just, it's like, I don't know. Just like nothing about the text, like framed it as a joke. I don't know. I just, I just felt a little uncomfortable laughing at it. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm insulting somebody by laughing at this. Yeah. Um, um, I hate to say this, but like the other story that didn't really land for me was the, uh, hot claws for Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. screw yeah. I love that one. <laughs> I don't get it. Why is he, yeah, why is he hot? Like, is there something we missed? So apparently for a time, Wolverine's, I guess his healing factor was so supercharged that his claws, like, started radiating heat. Like, that's a thing that happened. But, like, uh, it, it, this feels like it's supposed to be a pun. I don't yeah, get it. I don't... Hashtag hot claws at the so, end. What so, on earth? So I think the joke is, uh, I think the joke is that Wolverine is on fire. He's chasing ninjas through a suburban town and he... And this man who couldn't, who was having, sorry, this man who was struggling to uh, scrape the snow. Is that the word? Put, not plow the snow? Shovel. Shovel. Thank you. Gosh, English is hard. <laughs> There's a man who's struggling to shovel the, the snow off of his driveway. And here comes Wolverine on fire chasing ninjas. And melts the snow for him. Charles Soule pops up on our list. Uh, the good old days She-Hulk story. Number 58. From episode 36 of our podcast. Um, see how quickly I was able to find that. On the beautiful, <laughs> beautiful list. That uh, all those put together on our website. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't get it. Like, yeah. There are only a, f- a few. Like, if They just don't work, right? But then there are some. Like this Deadpool one. Where he... And uh, is it Jean Grey are having uh, like crazy inane conversations because they're really just paper dolls in this little girl's uh, house. Oh my gosh, yeah. Poor nature girl going, I hate Christmas because I can only hear the screams of slowly dying. You have antlers, shut up. And so like a couple of things, you know, I just would go by and like, I don't care about uh, freaking Gambit, whatever. But then I like the white elephant, you know, Iceman. Uh, get together where you know there are goofy goofy presents there's you know like a, a old dazzler poster a, you know metro card a chinatown bootleg spider-man doll you know like funny gift exchange stuff for the kids at the at the school um i don't know the more i'm like flipping through this the more i was like hey man, that was pretty good that was pretty good yeah you know, um um you know domino spending on uh, december 16th the naughty list uh domino <laughs> um spending it killing uh Killing, you know, human traffickers and uh, uh, sexual deviants. Uh, yeah. Would-be rapists uh, dead on Christmas. So, hooray. I, I think some of the ones that are... Uh, I think some of the ones that, for me, I think um, did better, personally, are some of the more emotional ones. I think yeah. the, the Old Man Logan story by Chip Zdarsky was particularly <laughs> sweet. Could have could have teleported some of this fire. Yeah. 
dumb. <laughs> I th- I think the one that like hit me like oh right in the feels was uh Blue Christmas by Rainbow Rowell and art by Chris Anka, which is the the Hank McCoy bit where he's mm-hmm. visiting his parents. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was somber. It's it's sweet you know. It's like sad Chris. in a way. I don't know. Rowell's a good writer too. I've I've read a couple of books of hers. She's I have it, but have I, I need read... to. Let me check our list. I thought her name sounds familiar. Let me see. Oh, she's a young adult novelist. I don't know how much she writes comics. Yeah. It was a, it was a good story, and I, I have not read her stuff. <laughs> while while I uh, I mean I relate a little bit to this, right? Like I've I think many of us have who like don't have children until like we're thirty ish, uh, or or relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll, I think some of us have like struggled with like having to overhear that relate that that thing that conversation yeah. with your parents right like when are they gonna bring kids why are they coming here alone every year why are they blue <laughs> but I think I think the story hits particularly harder for for people who are you know uh, who are in the LGBT community. And I think mm-hmm. with me having so many friends that are in that community and as well as like a, a couple of friends who are trans, I like, I, I, this, I felt for them reading this and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you might have to go through this exact same situation. <laughs> Speaking of the beast, uh, one of the other stories that really resonated with me, uh, resonated is the wrong word. Um, I think the stories that have a really strong joke worked very well too. Yeah. Like the story where the beast goes to give uh, Kavi- Dr. Rao a, a present after having oh my Dr. gosh <laughs> for advice. And Dr. Nemesis gave him advice, but then got him a better... Like he bought Doctor Rao a better version of the gift that Beast was going to give Doctor Rao, <laughs> and and Doctor Nemesis, whose mutant power is being a jerk hole, just <laughs> ruins Christmas for the Beast, and he's so happy about it. <laughs> he's literally yeah, he's sipping he's sipping a drink in front of an armchair in front of a fire, like he's his evil plan has just come together. Okay, so the only thing that confuses me a little bit is that, <laughs> and this is me. Being a nitpicky nerd, is Beast says he has all eight Star Wars episodes fully remastered. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, there wasn't uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker hadn't come right, out yet. Right, but happier days. But the, happier days. But the, I mean, the first, the, I mean, those, the last two don't need to be remastered. I don't know. Ask Christopher Daniels, the the person who wrote all it. Right. Maybe Ray Anthony Height or LeBeau Underwood, who did the art, would would. Have some insight. I guess you could ask Ramos. J. David Ramos, the colorist. But <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I, uh, that was that was my way. You're like, hey, fellas. Uh, yeah. Uh, quick, uh, quick question from Aldo Gomez, who's managed to out nerd you, comic books <laughs> writers and illustrators. I, you're hey, you're right, Aldo, but it's it's really not going to do anything for it's you. That's not. I mean, anyway, I <laughs> just I do love I do love that like the the gift uh, that Doctor Nemesis got Doctor Rao was. Uh, hold on, what is it? It's the original script from The Last Jedi, autographed by Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good gift. It's a good gift. It's a good, yeah. gift. good gift. Um, the Iceman story, there's, there's only one other thing that I wanted to make sure that I pointed out. The Iceman story, uh, December 8th, uh, written by Cena Grace, Corey Smith Art, Jordan Boyd did the colors. Honestly, this one didn't do anything for me. It's just... Iceman saying, hey, we're going to have a white elephant gift exchange. 
the only thing that really got me about this, there's a gift limit. So the problem with this story is he organizes this white elephant gift exchange and then we see a whole bunch of gifts, but we don't know who was giving the gifts. And so I feel like a lot of these were jokes that just don't land because we don't know who gave it. Like, hmm. oh, cool, somebody had a uh, bootleg Spider-Man doll. Who gave it, though? Yeah. Like, the joke lands differently if you get a bootleg Spider-Man doll from, say, I don't know, Leech of the Morlocks versus Warren Worthington, right? Yeah. Uh, also, it doesn't look all that bootleg either. Right, it doesn't. But the thing that gets me is that there is a, a value, like a dollar limit, the gift can only be worth $10 or less. And one of the gifts is a signed poster of the Dazzler, who was a literal pop star in the world of Marvel Comics. So a signed autographed Dazzler poster is worth less than $10. Either that, that or it's like funny. a copy of one, or it's like she's, she's like a lesser pop star now. Or, or like, or it's everyone has it. They're they're mutants at the you know school for gifted young. Everyone I has mean, it's, dazzler, some dazzler merch. It's also that she probably just signs a kajillion posters because she's trying to stay relevant and make money. Oh, she's probably on Dancing with the Stars or something. <laughs> she probably she probably does like Comic Con appearances, but it's not like it's not like big Comic Con. It's like the little conventions, and they're like, "Yo, we have a star," and it's just dazzler. More all like the dazzling prom- with the stars. <laughs> all of her like promo material is from like you know her first tour. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, remember me, remember my youth, remember it. Yeah, yeah. I I I enjoyed this. I don't yeah. know. I think that when it works, the people who wrote their their issue, their page, they really got deep into some of these characters. Like Hope Summers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I, I, just a little baby girl. And I do want to point out. I do want to say something. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you guys do agree or don't. I don't think there's actually like any bad stories in here. I just think there are some that are like really, really good. At least personally, that it's not that the other ones are bad. They're just not up up there. Like they're not. I don't think there's a bad story in here. Yeah, yeah. The the one. The only one that I think I would call... I don't... Okay. First of all, one page is probably not long enough to be bad. Right. It's very, very difficult to do a good one-page story. And so the fact that there are so many good one-page stories in here, like, I think that's a a testament to how good overall this book is. The one that I think comes closest to being bad... And again, I kind of hesitate to say that. I didn't like the, the, the... storm story the the charlemagne, charlemagne the god, the god. yeah because it yeah. felt so much like this is not about storm it's about charlemagne the god yeah and storm is like a, a hater she's like charlemagne that's so petty and then she winds up doing kind of what he says yeah you know it's like you should take charlemagne the god's vice just ask storm Ugh. like that kind of rubbed me the wrong yeah, way yeah a little bit and it's funny because like i think it would have worked had the you know, podcaster or the radio show or whatever, been anybody other than Charlemagne. Like, Charlemagne can still write the story and he could, like, everything could be the same. It's the self-insert that really gets me. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I guess, I don't know what you expect from someone who calls themselves, you know, the god. I don't actually know that much about Charlemagne the god other than Joe Biden told him that people who don't vote for him aren't black. Oh, jeez. 
Yeah. So like, I don't know anything about him. I know, I like, I know he's popular, has a huge radio show. I don't know anything about him other than that. So this might be entirely in character for him. And if you are a fan, then you'd be like, oh, classic CTG, uh, which I'm sure is what all of his fans call him. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. But anyway, like, it's not a bad story. It's just, it's just kind of weirdly self-aggrandizing. It's a little cringy. You know, Hitchcock, Hitchcock walked by, Hitchcock would walk through frames so quick that if you blinked, you missed him. That's what, that's go, that's okay. (laughs) The other, you know, Stan Lee may be a bit too far, but like somewhere in the middle is okay. This is like, I'm going to write this story about how I give good advice. You know, that, that sucks. Uh, so so one thing I, I want to uh, point out, just because I thought it was neat, was on the first story, the, the name of the story is like Mele Kalikimaka. Mele Kalikimaka is Hawaii's way. Yeah, it's a, it's a Hawaiian Christmas song. And it just means, the name means Merry Christmas in Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cute. Because they're going yeah. to Hawaii. Yeah. Malikalikimaka is one of my least favorite Christmas I've never heard it's it. Not it's not great. It's, it's bad. <laughs> I've never heard it's it. Bad. It's used It's used in a humorous context in uh, Christmas Vacation, so that's what it reminds me of. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the scene. Yeah. So, it, eh, you know, if it, it's Hawaii and Christmas you're after, then there you go. So, it that worked for a title for this. I, I liked that Jubilee got to be the kind of connective tissue in this story. And that it really can't, because at first you're like, boy, geez, what's ha- what the heck's happening in this mall? What's she, what's going on? And it's, you know, funny that we get a Jubilee story and she's, you know, the, the teen at the mall and there, there she is again. She's, you know, at the mall again, but it's a, it's a murder mall. And then um, getting that little, you know, bit at the end with Arcade and uh, she's able to, you know, take him out all on her own. And then the X-Men show up and she didn't need him. So it's kind of like a... We to see Jubilee grow as a hero, as a person, and she's you know got her little got her little kid with her, and it's nice. I also think it's all <laughs> it's a little sad that she went to Hawaii on December first, and <laughs> and it took them until the end of the month. Of the, it took them until Christmas Day to finally go like, well, <sighs> we should go rescue her. Little, yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like Jubilee leaves on vacation. And never makes it to Hawaii, and the X Men are just like, didn't didn't we used to have a teenage sidekick who was kind of annoying? <laughs> we did. There's what been a lot less TikToking around here. No, but I like that she's got you know, she's in a sporting goods store. You know, she's got kind of the area um, with you know bikes kind of around her tent, kind of separating out. Everything and they go, you know. All right, what'll be today? Lemon Caesar, maybe the pretzel paste, bun, cinnabon. Seriously, again, and they have to like you know survive in the food court. But yeah, I like yeah. I like that. I feel like we should move on because this episode's already going to be really long. But I just keep flipping through the book and finding other little details that I like slash hate, like Rogue and Gambit's pajamas at Christmas time. Hate Captain Britain's hair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. Uh, Fair enough. Anybody have any last minute thoughts on no. this book? No, I that was fun. Think I'm good. I, you know, just I want to say that I really enjoyed Cable being kind of drawn in an old school style because it was an old yeah. video. Oh, you! But who was filming? <laughs> I did wonder who was filming it. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a YouTube video, but then I was like, wait a minute. 
this YouTube yeah, even? This uh, is like, not. This traditionally, no. the two of them were like in the wasteland with nothing around them for you know her whole life. Yeah. Uh, but hey, good for him for wearing his you know big arm pads with bullets and everything, and the baby Bjorn because those you got to tie them just right. Yeah. Yeah, but it was really touching. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's rank these stories. Uh, starting with Better to Give, which is the Wolverine story. Ah, gosh, okay. So, currently on our list, we have 125 different stories. Very first stories that we ever ranked. Um, we started with... Infinity Gauntlet was our first story, which was our first number one. It is currently at number nine. What was the other story that we ranked? One more day. It was one more day, which was, you know, the second story we ever ranked started at number two. It's currently at number 124 of 125. Uh. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, Better to Give. Yeah. Like, it's it's okay. It's good. Right? It's solid. Yeah, it's, it's just a solid, good little one shot. I have no idea where to rank it. I am wide, wide shot here. Uh, the top half. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, what is at number 63? EarthX. Uh, EarthX. Yeah, this is better than EarthX. <laughs> is it better than that New Hope manga? Uh, I would say so. I almost wouldn't. No. But, like, I like it. I like that uh, New Hope adaptation as sort of like a, like, this is how you do comics. Like, from a comics craft standpoint, I think it's fascinating. Whereas I think this book is mostly just competent. Not... And I, I know competent can come across as like a, a like a condescending a little, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, but it's not. It's good. It's just not like I don't think the craft is is something that I would want to study. Whereas I like the craft in the the new hope. Okay, that's fair. I agree with Stephen. Yeah. So yeah, I think I would want to put this right below the Star Wars uh, comic. I think that's fair. I was uh, I had forgotten that we read Twas the Fight Before Christmas, the Darwin Cook uh, Spider Man story. And I'm flipping through it. I have, uh, like, almost no memory of this. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, shouldn't we put our hollow- holiday ones together? And, like, I'm looking through and, like, I like the art. I think it's funny. Somehow, J. Jonah Jameson is in a room full of Japanese school children. So, uh, there's something <laughs> going on there. But, like, I honestly, for life, I couldn't tell you what happened. I couldn't tell you anything about it. So, I, maybe, yeah. It, um... This should be lower, so yeah, let's stick it at uh, 64, or uh, 60, excuse me, 63. Still above the uh, good-bad line. Yeah, um, it's almost like, for a time, I would say that the Star Wars manga marked the beginning of the, you should probably read this. Not just the, oh, it's good, it's the, no, you should read this. Yeah, yeah. Like, it should be on your list of things to read at some point. And I think this kind of, I don't know, I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's number 63 on our list. Now let's rank the Gwenpool Holiday Special Merry Mix-Up. I enjoyed it. Yeah, my gut reaction was to put it around the NBC Wintertime, Winter Friends, Winter Fun Special. That's pretty low. Because that'd, that'd be lower than the Wolverine story. And I liked it better. I think it goes higher than the NBC Wintertime, Winter Friends, Winter Fun Special. At 81. Because it works better as a standalone. Not that the NBC Wintertime Winter Friend Winter Fun special doesn't work as a standalone, but this works better. I don't think you need the context of like Gwenpool 
is palling around specifically with these people because she took over Modok's operation. Like, I think you just need sort of a cursory understanding of the Marvel Universe to get most of the jokes. Right. And so, as a standalone, like, my first point of comparison was, honestly, A-Babies versus X-Babies. And I think it's a little better than that. So, I'm looking somewhere in the 50s or maybe even the, the 40s. Oh, you know, I forgot about A-Babies, X-Babies. Yeah. I would say, I would say 49. But then, ah, see, there's some stuff, I like it better than other stuff that's higher. So it's it's tricky. I see my problem is putting it above Thanos annual. It's kind of in the same I mean and some of the same people. It's in the same vein, I yeah, think. Yeah, I I you think, know. Yeah, that's a really interesting comparison, that Thanos annual, which I kind of Yeah, I about, So so I forgot about it, but then like the moment I remember Thanos annual, I remember the story where he walked the old lady across the street. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, the, the story where <laughs> Thanos walks the old lady across yes. the street. <laughs> yeah. Which oh, which man. is why I have a hard time, I because I don't think any of those stories, in in the uh the the Gwenpool one, not that they're bad, I just think that story is phenomenal. <laughs> or the the when he goes to visit the kid David and just really oh yes yeah yeah exactly the art on that the art in that is really good yeah Dude, that particular issue just I, he's such a jerk I would be okay putting it below like. Like fifty one. That's between yeah. the Thanos annual and the Galaxy's Best yeah. Detective. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. That feels all right. Okay. To me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. These are the highest ranking holiday stories, and it's just like one after the other. They are all going fairly, like not high, high, but you know, respectable. Um, let's see if the Merry X Men Holiday Special, uh, fares as well, because I don't know. I think as a whole. The Gwenpool story is better, but personally, like, individual stories in the X-Men book, I like better. And it's a big thing, like, doing it like an advent calendar of these stories, that's a big thing. And coordinating all these creative teams, also, uh, that's a big yeah. job. Yeah, so. it's, I, I almost feel bad ranking it, because it feels so out of the norm. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it almost feels reductive to rank yeah. it, right? Yeah. But we've committed to this conceit for 60-some-odd episodes. I don't think we can depart from it We're on episode 65. Boy. (laughs) I think um, I would put it after Thor's Battle World uh, at 54. Or, or or not? Never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll no. No, no. It was like a long it. pause. I'm trying like... to remember. I'm trying to remember that Moon Knight story. That one is. That's the one where he goes to fight like a criminal organization, like in Los Angeles, and he thinks he's, he's... Gonna be an actor. Yeah, he thinks he's doing it with the with the Avengers, uh, but he's not, obviously, because that's Moon Knight. Does he always? Tr- does he always? Are his multiple personalities always? trying to be spider-man captain america and then who was the th- no i think i think that's uh that's for this change. issue i think that was a bendis creation okay just changes from time to time yeah um i definitely want to put this above the moon knight story because like i think i will remember bits of it better than the moon knight story yeah i think putting it below thor's battle world above moon knight works yeah i think my only complaint is uh looking at this list i kind of wish we had put Moon Knight, below Killer, below Blind Spot, even. Huh. Actually, gosh, now that I'm looking at this, I would kind of move Moon Knight down, like to like Black Bolt Home Free. <laughs> oh, I think the Black Bolt story is too low. But um, any, I think it'll be interesting, and maybe we do this for like an anniversary special. Um, 
go down the list and see what we actually remember about some of the books in the middle. Yeah. Because, like, I'm looking at this list, and I feel like Rogan Gambit should be higher than it is, simply because I remember yes. what happened in Rogan Same. Gambit. And I don't remember what happened in this Moon Knight yeah. story. See, that's my problem. Is I, I, I want to put that above Moonlight, but I think... I think Rogan Gambit and even Killer Instinct are maybe not better, but like just as good. So it feels a little weird putting. Oh, Killer Instinct was the Domino yeah. story, right? Yeah. Maybe. At maybe. the bare minimum, Rogan yeah. Gambit, I think, is like a better book story than than the than this winter special or Christmas special. Yeah, um, but yeah, the winter, the the Christmas special, the X Men story. Um, I feel like the framing story is actually not super strong there's not a whole lot to do with it though yeah it's the vignettes that are really yes like powerful like the and, hope and story the things like the hope story like the guys man <laughs> promise himself. you wouldn't do it <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll listen my my hope story was the old man logan one that's the one that gets Coming me firewood what the old man Logan story where Nightcrawler gives Wolverine a copy of his own picture because one time Wolverine gave Nightcrawler a copy of his own yeah. picture. But also, remember, okay, there's context, okay? This is old man Logan who had to watch all of his friends and family die and then somehow got sucked into the 616 universe, but he can't really do anything because he's old and there's already, like, there were, I think there were, like, three Wolverines at the time, so he just retired off to the backwoods and don't forget that he had that he hung out with like a young Jean Grey who was displaced for time. X Men is weird, you guys. Oh, X Men is super weird. Anyways, below Thor's yeah. Battle World. Okay. <laughs> I think that I think that's a good place for it. Like, if it's not the exact right placement, it's at least close enough to the yeah. neighborhood. And I feel like this section gets kind of muddy anyway. It's good. yeah, it's good. It's like these were fun holiday specials. I'm actually really glad we read these. Me too. I, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised that they all were like you know pretty decent. Yeah, and like and not like it's fine, but it's like yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah, you got you got to have the the pitch there to appropriately convey yeah. how good they yeah. were. Well, I'm a I'm a base, so oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so in the interest of time, I'm just going to go ahead and move to what we're going to read for our next episode. Uh, next episode is kind of like a weird sort of New Year's, it'll come out around New Year's time. And so we figured what better way to commemorate the new year, out with the old, in with the new. We're going to read Marvel Comics number one from 1939. Whew. Uh... And we're going to couple that with Marvel Comics number 1000, <laughs> which I believe was intended to come out. Um, I don't know if it was actually, like, had Marvel Comics continued to publish on a monthly schedule, this would have been issue number 1000. It, it, it's to commemorate the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. came out in 2019. Um, Marvel Comics number 1000 is basically what we just read for the X-Men. It's a whole bunch of one-page stories. <laughs> Uh, whereas Marvel Comics number one is an anthology book featuring some of the earliest creations of Marvel Comics. The Human Torch, the Android version, uh, the Angel, who popped up in X-Men Noir, uh, first appearance of Namor the Submariner. And the original Human Torch. I, I said that one. Oh, you did. My bad. I spaced out. <laughs> That's fine. I do that all the time. Half the time when you guys are talking, I'm playing Legends of Brutera on this one. It's Ah, uh, Steven, Legends hey, of Ruterra. I have been resisting playing Hades on the Switch this whole time. 
So I, uh, I think I beat Hades, and I don't know if I should keep playing. I think I, I think it's one of those where maybe you beat it, but really, you beat part of it, and then you got to keep going because it'll it'll it like gives you some more to do. That's the thing is I need someone to tell me did I actually get the ending, or <laughs> is there more ending to get? Because if there's not more ending, like I'm not the type of person who needs to hundred percent a game. Ah, uh, but I also don't know who how to talk about it because it's like I don't know how far other people have gotten. Yeah, you could talk to my brother-in-law who has beaten it and is now going through another time when the story has changed slightly, apparently. But I also don't want to know too many more details about it because I'm I'm I keep, I'm only an Asphodel. I'm not very far. I, I, so, freaking, I keep dying. Sounds like if I want to be drug. part of the Hades cast, I gotta play Hades. It's so good, Hades man. I bought it's it. So it's good. installed. I just haven't played it. Oh, try it out tonight. And let, let me just tell you, you're going to die a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's the game. Yep. A lot, a lot. Yeah, it is one of the more effective roguelikes. I it think. is. Yeah, I I normally wouldn't go for that kind of game, but oh, I love roguelikes, but it's a roguelike with progression, which yeah. which that actually kind of bothers me sometimes. But the way they do it and the way they incorporate the progression into the story, yeah, I think it works. The st- the story's terrific and the art is fantastic. So talking about fantastic art, great story, and you know, trudging through hell. Can you imagine the logistical nightmare that it was to get Marvel Comics with number 1,000 across? Because that's 80 creative teams, ladies and gentlemen. Boy. 80 creative... Yes. And I have to type out all those writers and artists. You should just... (laughs) You should just put the editor's name and then a big asterisk and say, look them up your own friggin' self. Just leave it at that. Part of me wants to, but like Steven said, I'm 60 episodes in and I haven't not done that, so... We are professionals. We are consistent, if nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think on that note, uh, we got to give all the time to type up all of those things. We'll probably have it done by Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Cratchit, you're working through Christmas. You have typing to do. Oh my gosh. Did you know that there's an R-rated Christmas Carol series on the, on FX? Why? What? Yeah. Like the, I started watching it today because I'm curious because I love a Christmas Carol. The opening scene has a kid standing over the grave of Jacob Marley, calls him like a stingy bastard, pees on the grave, and then you follow the camera down through the ground into Marley's casket where the pee starts to fall on his face. Hey, we were having a nice time. We were having we were having a good day. <laughs> okay, okay, listen, John. John, if it makes you feel any better, Andy Circus plays the ghost of Christmas past. Okay, I'm back in. So far, there's one F word. That's a bummer. Why would you make it like that and not throw it around a little bit more? Well, it is on FX. I think they have a limit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, if you're going to rewrite a classic piece of literature, maybe don't do Dickens. Like Dickens, uh, I, I shouldn't say all of Dickens, but A Christmas Carol is, I think, legitimately one of the best written books in the English language. Uh, Great Expectations, according to my uh, 15-year-old memory, is not. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and also, according to the uh, the Merry Xmas special we read, a Great Expectations is a gift that is $10 or less. There you go. There you go. No, I, I think I liked the story, but I didn't like how it was written. Because I'm like, friggin' paid by the page, Dickens, you suck. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah spark notes and got a 50 out of 50 on the test. I regret nothing. 
Can you imagine if Trump could walk through walls, though? I mean, like, good. Ugh. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hey, so Stephen, future Stephen, who's editing this podcast, leave that bit in. <laughs>